Hey Mysterions, it's Shay. I am here to go ahead and give you guys a little look into the origin story of Jen, Shay, and CX3 podcast. Okay, so listen, I used to have a podcast. It was called Crime and Cryptids. I did it for a minute and then Jen and I recorded an episode after my old co-host had a baby. It was a whole thing. And then we discovered, you know what? This is super fun. Let's just do this together for forever. <laughs> if you guys were curious about some sort of, I guess, origin story, we were lucky enough to have recorded ours, not realizing what it would turn into. You're going to hear some mention of a person named Sam. We're going to hear some stuff about a crime encrypted podcast. You'll probably hear some flashbacks to the old show, but for for the most part we don't mention that so just don't be alarmed it's just i guess throwbacks to the old show but anyway i hope you guys enjoy this jen and i were thinking about reusing some of the old episodes from crime and cryptids and basically doing some sort of reaction to how sam and i used to present information and give like updated information for example on the sherry papini case that sam and i covered previously now there's more information on the case and her FBI interrogation footage has been released. So just like let us know if you guys want to hear about that. And Jen and I will frank and edit the old podcast with our new reactions, new commentary, all of that. I think it could be super fun. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I hope you guys like seeing the origin story to crime, cryptids, and controversies. <laughs> Welcome back to Crime and Cryptids. This is Shay with our guest host, my cousin Jen. Hi. This week we have a Murder Monday. Hunker down. This is going to get corrupt. Okay. We are back with another Murder Monday today. Um, Sam had her baby officially. Yay. Yay. So hopefully it'll be probably like another three months before she's back. Just hang in there with us, guys. I promise she'll be back. But until then, we have Jen. So hey. Yeah. So let's talk about Leslie Allen Williams this week. Yes. All right. He was born July 4th in 1953 to Dorothy and Lyle Young Williams in Detroit, Michigan. He grew up in the tranquil suburb of the Garden City. Lyle was Dorothy's second husband. She had two daughters with her first husband and three sons with Lyle, including little Leslie. His mother, Dorothy Phyllis Lashbrook Williams Adams, what a name. I was going to say, that's a mouthful. Don't ever get in trouble with that. <laughs> that's a long one to put on the license. Oh my God. She was a horrible, negligent parent who was once arrested on May 31st, 1957 for prostitution right out of her home and served 60 days in jail for it. Leslie's father, Lyle Williams Sr., was arrested the same evening and admitted to often watching from their closet as Dorothy had sex with multiple men. Crazy. I know. But you know what? It's a kink. Yeah. Sometimes she did it for as little as $5 a session. Woohoo. I know. Ball in, Leslie. Wow. Not Leslie, Dorothy. Wow. (laughs) Maybe Leslie. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. All right. Well, another time she had sex for a new Goodyear white wall tire and wheel. Do you know I just figured out what a white wall is, by the way? Oh, yeah. Because I was washing cars. You're so much younger than me. (laughs) I am a fetus. (laughs) 
That's funny. I bet a lot of young kids wouldn't know what that is nowadays. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, she had to work her way through life. Yes. All right. Then Lyle was sent to a state mental hospital after being judged as insane for sexually molesting his two stepdaughters, who were eight and nine at the time. An unnamed family member said, quote, It wasn't just a little feeling, touchy thing between the father and his children. It was constant, end quote disgusting i know i'm like what does that mean like i guess because like i tickle sam's kids and i'm like oh my god you're so cute like is that what they mean because otherwise like there really shouldn't be a little touchy-feely going on between it was more than that for them to say that oof so at the age of of six such a young age leslie was asked to fill in the blanks on a psychology test with a question that read boys grow up to be men girls grow up to be blank in the blank he wrote punished woof that's not great I mean, we're talking how old? Yeah. Six? Like, the fact that at that age, he's cognizant enough to be like, they're subservient. That's a problem. I don't know too many six-year-olds who tell me girls grow up to be punished. Yeah. They haven't heard that one much. Yeah. All right. So then we have a child psychologist that said Williams does not appear to be a happy, secure child, but rather an unsmiling, fearful, very intense child. During Lyle's stint in the hospital, Dorothy, the mother, picked up the children and moved them to California in 1959. Oh, I can't blame her. I no mean, kidding. She got a break and she ran for it. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. I'm going to. Oh, definitely. I mean, rape my children? Like, I know. And that's they, all the way across the country. Like, how much further can you get? Go, girl. Once he was released, the couple spent one year together but ended up in a divorce in 1961. I mean, why did she let him find her? I know. I was thinking that. I was like, sissy, (laughs) did you let him come to California? Or were you like pen pals during this little tryst? I mean, because we're talking about the late 50s, early 60s. Mm -hmm. We don't have cell phones and GPS and all that. So somebody had to tell him where she was. Oh, that's a good point. I don't know why my brain was like, "Um, just Google her house, duh. Yeah, no, you can look it up on the internet and see where she last posted in the white pages. Damn like, it, Gates, where were you? Stalking was a lot harder to do back then. You had to put real work into it. Dang it. All right, so let's see, that was in 1961. And then in 1962, Dorothy married another guy, James Adams. Boy, she was on a roll. Oh, and he sucks. So the, oh. that role is about to come to a screeching, oh, no. unfortunate halt. Well, he wasn't much better than Lyle because James was a drunk who beat her and the children called Dorothy promiscuous. So James would be the one who ended Dorothy's life and then his. Dude, that's such a coward's way out, too. Like, come on. She had three children. Right. She's already been through a horrible relationship. Couldn't you just walk away? Right. And I'm like, if you're truly that unhappy and you're ready to end your own life, then it's like, okay, well, do that peacefully by yourself. Like, you do not need to drag someone else and their entire family down with you. It's pretty sad, those kids. I can't even imagine what those girls went through, too. Oh, my God. I know. You know, they had one father that they thought they could trust, stepfather, and then he did that. Mm -hmm. And then they get another one and... He kills with their mom? Like, I can't imagine. Total shitbag. Sad. So, after Dorothy was murdered, Leslie and Lyle Jr. moved back to Milford, Michigan, just to live with their maternal grandparents. In 1970, when Leslie was just 17, he was busted for breaking into a home in his neighborhood, but he only had to serve a year for that. Now, do you know, like, did he take anything, or he literally just broke in and got caught? That's what I was trying to figure out. As far as I understand it, he just broke in for the shits and giggles of it. Okay. He would spend the next 12 years ramping up the intensity of his crimes until it finally came to the head in the form of a sexual assault of a woman in her home in September of 1983. When he broke in, he threatened her with a screwdriver to her throat. Somehow he wound up 
I guess, letting her go and was just like, mm, never mind, this is too much and bailed. Obviously, she called the cops. He got caught and he was convicted of kidnapping with intent to rape and sentenced to 20 years. And at this time was classified as a habitual offender, which, duh, <laughs> he'd done a lot by now. I'm glad they had that back then. Oh, well, don't get too happy. Hold on to those good feelings because they're about to go away in like the next two bullet points. Oh, no. Yep. So just for definition purposes, a habitual offender stands for a repeat offender, basically saying that he's a career criminal. And in Michigan's Act 175 of 1927 states a habitual offender is someone convicted of three or more felonies and they must be convicted, not just charged. So you would think, oh, good, this is going to come to an end, and you'd be really wrong and really angry. So he was sentenced to five to 10 years for the assault slash kidnapping and seven to 30 years for being a habitual offender, but was able to serve them concurrently instead of consecutively. And in 1990, just what, seven years later, he was out. He was fine. Yep. Let go. Out skis. Because they let him do it concurrently. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Isn't that fucked? That's why I'm like, no, no, we're not celebrating. You can kidnap somebody and rape them and threaten them with a knife or a screwdriver, which is arguably a little scarier than a knife because, like, at least you kind of know a knife's probably going to, like, get your jugular or carotid and, like, you're done. But what if they stab you wrong? That's a dull, blunt end. I would. Seven mm-mm. years, though. Like, yeah. Seven years, that poor woman can probably never comfortable in her house she probably oh, has yeah. to move she's probably always having some ptsd wondering who's gonna break in her house next or oh yeah absolutely that sounds awful i legitimately cannot imagine i can't either so his parole officer named william mannix said that uh leslie was quote low-key mild-mannered and spick and span clean unquote so apparently that was just well, of course he was. I'm sure he put on a really good show for him. Yeah. I'm like, that's because he's a master manipulator. That's kind of what they do. What they do. Yeah. Crazy. It's almost like he wanted out of jail and off parole. Huh? Mm-hmm. On August 11th, 1991, after, again, only serving his seven years, I want to reiterate that, he was able to strike his youngest victim, who I could only find the name of as Miriam, um, from a book called Born Bent. I'm so sorry, I forgot to write on the author, but it's Born Bent, um, just a book about Leslie Allen mm. Williams. So look it up if you want. It's really good. But she was only nine when he attacked her. Wow. Yep. And it wow. went very in depth in the book. Now, wasn't his sister nine mm-hmm. when his step, well, it was his dad. It was his sister's step. Yeah, that's a good so point. It wasn't one of them nine. That's, I didn't even think about was, that. Like, his brain was having like flashbacks. Oh shit. I wonder. Yeah. Cause I guess what had happened was, is he was out trolling for victims and was about to give up and then saw her and was like, okay, bet let's do this. And yeah, the book goes into very unfortunate amounts of details. So I legit had to just like skip, yeah, skip, skip, get the nitty gritty. Yeah, but it's really gruesome what he did. Well, obviously he didn't quit because right after that, what, a month later, yep. September 14th, 1991, Leslie attacked 18-year-old Cami Villanueva in her home in Oakland County. God. Cami had lived a rough life leading up to her attack. Her mother killed herself when Cami was 11 and her father coped by spending his days anywhere but home. That poor girl. Dude, I know. Oh, and it gets worse. 
Cammie was known to have blamed herself for her mother's suicide, thinking that it was because Cammie was held back in the third grade despite her high intelligence. Like, that's so sad. It's so sad how much how much these kids take on from schools and how much yeah. one little comment in a school or one grade can just make a kid feel yeah. like they're just not good enough for the world anymore. Mm-hmm. So Cammie and her little sister, Nikki, were left in the care of her 21-year-old sister, Trisha. Unfortunately... Trisha wasn't always able to make ends meet, which meant that the girls went without a phone and were often without utilities. Trisha and the girls decided they didn't want to go to the authorities in the event that they would be separated and put into the juvenile system. Which that's sucks. not a good place to be either. Dude, the system, the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, I want to open my own orphanage. Especially back then. Oh my God. When it wasn't watched as much as it is now oh and god forbid you have add they're about to send you off to an asylum and like good luck kiss the sun like goodbye anxiety or depression or ptsd like these girls imaginably had god forbid he had been peeping in her window for a while and decided to act on his impulses oh here he comes again yep he found that her front door was unlocked and walked right in he raped killed her and buried her body in a shallow grave he had dug up how sad is that yeah it's just like she's an object. He was like, okay, well, now I'm done with you, so bye. Williams was allegedly casing homes to break into when he spotted sisters Michelle, who was 16, and Melissa Urbane, who was 14. He said he really liked the way that Melissa walked and came back to stalk then at least eight times before attacking them. You know, this brings up a really good point for me, Shay, because I grew up in Florida, and this is a common thing that happens down there with really? young tourist girls college girls is i learned from a young age that lots of times they will follow and stalk their victims or the kids that they're going to kidnap and actually lots of people will have seen them but didn't put it together or know that they would be a problem but it's very well known that a lot of them do this they will go around and they'll follow them to see their routines their habits before they ever take them and you said that's like a transient state right in Mm -hmm. florida so it's a very transient in and out state oh so it's God. very hard for people like that our tourists are off guard down there yeah it's you're just trying to have fun everywhere <laughs> daytona beach everybody's oh off gosh. guard you know growing up there you learn to look for those things and when you see somebody more than once or someone sitting down the street from your house you look for it but people who aren't from there they don't yeah why that. would you think that no but wow yeah that's what they do they stalk them like it's some kind of sexual deviance deviance thing where that like Mm -hmm. turns them on to watch what they're doing that's so scary like even through a window or something it's like a power trip so he took them put them their bodies in a car raped and killed them then leslie was off to driving to a secluded area and dug up two shallow graves but before burying the bodies william said he had sex with their bodies I actually learned about this case from dad because he told me about this. And he's like, did you know he was a necrophiliac? I'm like, dad, I don't even know who he is. So <laughs> let's start there. Well, I think this is crazy because I've never heard of this guy. And he was born like the day before my dad's <laughs> birthday. That's so awkward. And my dad was born in Michigan. Uh, Weird. That's scary. I'm telling you. Yeah. Bunk buddies just vibing in the hospital together. Oof, that's so weird. He would later go on to admit that he made Michelle and Melissa Urban sit on a blanket and talk with him before Ugh. raping and killing them. He says they were nice girls. They didn't deserve to die, but I was so weak and I was afraid to go back to prison. Isn't for that raping them? Fucked. 
That is actually insane. Yeah. I'm like, well, then run away. Okay? Run quickly. I mean, I still obviously do not condone anything he did. I don't but condone like, it, but can you just cover your face? Yeah. Or... Like, if you're going to be that much of a psychopath, at least just, like, bounce after. You don't have to kill them about it. And you know what I don't understand? Mm-hmm. There's so many women who will do it for the five bucks or the good, the mm-hmm. good year tire. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I don't understand. Go find somebody who's into stuff and... But that's not fun because they're into it and they're willing participants. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, it's well, absolutely insane. Listen, you can pay people to pretend to be scared. Exactly. Just shut up and just yeah. Wait, oh, there's so many people who do it. If you tell them what you want to do, yeah, I'm like, there's no need for this. That's a full kink community, bud. You're fine. <laughs> Get into he, it. He didn't have the internet to figure all this out back then. <laughs> that's true. Damn it, no Craigslist for him. <laughs> Well, five months later, on January 4th, 1992, he went on to rape and kill another 15-year-old girl named Cynthia Marie Jones, who he just also carelessly threw in a grave, shallow grave, buried her. I mean, he's getting older and older. We're like, what, in the mid-30s now? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Because this is 92 and he was born in 53, so... Oh, wow. Yeah. He's a crunchy old boy. Almost a 40. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Like, these are young girls now. He's not aging here. It makes me really... Like, it's so interesting to me. I wonder, do they just get stunted stuck. mentally? Yeah. And like, stuck? Like, got that eight- or nine-year-old face where his dad did that yeah. to his sisters or whatever. Like, was he traumatized back then? Yeah, I wonder if he was touched almost, too. And he didn't know how to say it because even yeah. at six, he was saying girls got punished. So how long was that dad doing that to those mm-hmm. girls? Yeah, he was probably watching. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And if this dad's a horrible, I guess, like the really toxic patriarch type, then he's telling him about how women are subservient and just like not worth anything. And and then he's watching his mom through yeah. the closet oh my with God. other guys. And yeah. he doesn't understand that at five or six years old. Yeah. Who knows what those guys were doing to his mom? And he says, girls get punished. Mm-hmm. Oh God. See, and like being a cuck is a thing. That's okay. Like if you want to live in the cuck kink community, go nuts. But like, keep your kids out of it. I, yeah, exactly. I was going to say again, don't bring your kids into it. At least, I don't know, rent a storage unit for your <laughs> prostitution needs. <laughs> to a hotel. Oh yeah. Hotel <laughs> six. Keep the light on for you. My dumb ass. I'm like go to a storage unit. Well, I mean that works too, but it might be hot. Okay. Is it climate controlled or is it hot? Are there spiders in there or I don't know why my brain <laughs> teeth fall. Something to put on the ground. I mean, you know. Get a little tarp. <laughs> God. This is actually, this makes me happy because this is when he gets caught like a little dipshit. So I guess there was a poor woman who was just trying to put flowers on her mom's grave. Oh, just vibing in the cemetery. And he sees her and decides, okay, yes, I would like to attack her now. And so goes up to her, snatches her, and like drags her into his car. And there are witnesses. Everyone kind of watched it happen, how he took her, beat her, and then raped her behind a bush. Luckily, people were like, okay, no, and went and did find a phone, called it in, and he ran away with her in the trunk and so on may 24th 1992 leslie allen williams was officially arrested after having been pulled over with 35 year old carla walters tied up 
with a plastic tie in his trunk and she was choking with that tie around her neck. It's obviously escalating, right? Yeah. Because he's willing to do this out in a public environment. Yeah, basically making eye contact with mourners. So, little dipshit. But, oh my God. So he says some stuff later where I'm like, oh, okay. Like, talking about how, oh, I want her to be caught. And I'm like, you could have just turned yourself in, you dumbass. But... So he was arrested, taken into custody, and later confessed to the four murders that he had committed. He initially denied being involved in any other criminal activity, and unbeknownst to him, several acquaintances had called the police, and a tip from an ex-girlfriend actually led them to the body of Cammie in Midland, Michigan. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Like, it's not nice, but at least your family gets some closure. Exactly. Like, I commend these people. Like, they end up all the yeah. way to the electric chair or whatever, and they never disclose. Oh, yeah. Ted Bundy's on his bodies in the mountains that nobody's going to know about because he was a little dipshit and didn't want to confess. Yeah. Once he realized that he was busted, Leslie showed the police where he had buried his other victims, and he did end up am- admitting to 11 sexual assaults and other crimes since he was paroled in 1980 when those little dipshits let him off. Wow. Yeah. Had he just stayed in prison... But here we are. Yeah, how many other people had to suffer? Yep. So investigators say Williams kept a scorecard. Isn't that sick? That's crazy. And the fact that, like, so many serial killers do that, too. They keep, like, little treasures or trinkets or hair or... How self-absorbed can you be? I don't know. There was one I read that put notches on his bed. Oh. We gotta figure that one out. Yeah. So we can look it up. Yeah, we're gonna have to... a long time ago I heard about that one. We're gonna have to cover that one. Yeah, we need to. All right, so this guy kept a scorecard on which he noted his victim's physical appearance. Maybe he was looking for every type of body? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Officers were sifting through a cache of cameras, crosses on chains, cloth patches, pins, film, matchbooks, and other items found among Williams' belongings. Investigators also found a photo of two other victims, sisters Michelle and Melissa Urban. A fourth victim was identified as Cynthia Marie Jones. Wow. So he, like, kept their jewelries and stuff, it looks like, or, like, mm-hmm. pins, clothes patch, chains. Like, he was booked and busy extra, and ready to be a terror. Yeah, accessory items, basically. Yeah. It's, like, the tiny little trinkets that are pretty easy to just, like, and run. And, you know, all these types of things, now that I'm looking at it again, like, thinking about it, are actually of that age, don't you think? The eight, nine, ten-year-old age. Yeah. Because those are just like, I feel like you're a little crow when you're that age and you just pick up random shit and trinkets. Right? Because, huh. you know, once you get older, those things aren't usually as interesting matchbooks. Yeah. Like you don't Those are things in that care. age period where those things are cool to carry around. Yeah. Because you kind of feel like a badass or whatever. Yeah. That's a really good point. I don't know. God. Just a thought. Huh. So the case eventually made headlines and questions were raised about the Michigan parole system. Good thing. Mm, Yeah. Leslie Allen Williams represents a failure of this entire criminal justice system, particularly the parole system. Leslie Allen Williams never should have been on the street. Four young ladies are dead because of that. People like this should not be cycled through the system in and out to prey on other people on the outside. That was quoted by John Nichols, the sheriff of Oakland County in Michigan. Because Leslie had bounced in and out of prisons over the last 20 years, prompted leg- this prompted legislators and law enforcement officials th- to call for an overhaul of Michigan's parole system. 
As they fucking should. I mean, why are we so reactive in this, in this Seriously. country? Seriously. Like, why I... Why wait so long? Every... If we have to reelect a president every four years, we should probably revisit our laws and just reassess where we're at as the world continues to grow. Yeah, just a I thought. Mean, nothing stays the same. We should always be evaluating, but... Well, yeah. I find we're very... As a country, we are very reactive, all yep. of us. You know, it's... We wait until something bad happens and then then we want to act when obviously this guy had so many warning signs mm-hmm. way in the beginning. We could have been proactively watching him. He would help. Yeah. Making well, him serve his time. Seriously. And I'm like, half of these fucking laws are created when we're writing by candlelight. So like, maybe it's time to reassess. Not, yeah, after he gets out, murders additional people, steals their shit. And then tries to play rape him up Joe. No. What was he sir? sentenced to like 30 years and he served yeah. seven? Yep. So in Florida, because of so much of that stuff happening, they did an 85% rule in the early 90s, I believe, we really? passed it. So you serve 85% of your time. Good. No matter how good you are. It's 85% is the minimum. So yeah. there's none of this 50% like in some states. No. And in Florida, if you, news to everybody listening who has never been there because everybody loves to go there. If you decide to get cray-cray in Florida and you you get uh, life in prison, it is life until your heart stops. There's no 20 years, 30 years, 40 Good. years. It is until your heart stops. Yeah, play shitty games, get shitty prizes. Like, I mean, more states should follow those rules. Like, right. If you're willing to commit to killing somebody, you should be willing to commit to spending the rest of your natural life mm-hmm. in prison, the life mm-hmm. that you took. It's it's a trade. It's a fair trade, in my opinion. I Take a life, is. give a life, you little assholes. I think it's more than fair. So over the years, Leslie had received numerous breaks from the justice system, and obviously he was only getting relatively light sentences or early, early paroles. Even after he just pled out guilty. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, you're exactly right. It was... All of these guilty pleas, and they still said, well, anyway, you smell nice, and you've been really good for, like, seven years, so you're good. And Goodbye. And officer say? He's clean? Yeah, spick and span and clean. I okay. if they revisited that parole officer after this, because as they one should. Of these girl's mother, so I have a grown daughter, oh. I would be more than yeah. happy to visit him and say, why did you do this to my daughter? Yeah, because this is, that blood is truly on so many people's hands at this point the people who failed the system and failed the victims they should be held accountable in some capacity like if it's an evident trace to them and it's obvious i think someone should be held accountable you let them out i do understand that they committed it too but had you not gotten so lenient they would still be in prison and nobody would be dead so let's maybe reconsider that sir i mean come on michigan where's the psychiatric evaluation Mm -hmm. That, you know, should have been done and all the counseling and everything else before they just decided, he's clean. He smells nice. Bye. Have fun, Minty Fresh. I guess Michigan's seven-member parole board was appointed by the state corrections director and the members whose salaries uh, ranged from 63000 to 68000 At the time, they were civil service employees and they served, quote, at the pleasure of the director, unquote. Oh, that's convenient. Mm, isn't it cute? So in 1990, the board considered more than 11,000 cases and paroled 8,888 offenders. About 20% of those are paroled end up back in prison after new arrests and another 20% return because of parole violations, um, according to the correction officials. So it's like, well, obviously that's not fucking working. You know, that sounds a little corrupt. 
just just a tad. When 40% of people are either violating their parole or getting sent right back. It's like, well, those numbers aren't good, so why don't we figure that out? The parole board is is not supposed to be working directly for the state corrections director. Like, how is that effective? Yeah, you would There's no check and balance. No. George Ward, Wayne County's chief assistant prosecutor, said that Leslie's history of paroles was typical. Unfortunately, quote, the parole board represents the bureaucratic interests of emptying beds, and not one of them represents the public safety interest, unquote, which... Right, he said that? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? Yep. So Uh, basically, he said that all these girls' lives are not important. And he's it's the, important for us to get that bed empty in the prison system. Well, that's you, disgusting. You may as well prepare a casket at the same time because that's what you're damning someone to. That's a disgusting statement for someone mm-hmm. to say. In the after, aftermath of Leslie's case, state legislators have drafted legislation to make the panel more accountable. Good. Under one plan, the panel would be expanded to nine members who serve three-year terms upon appointment by the corrections director, but would not be civil service employees, meaning that the governor would could seek to have them removed. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you need a check and balance. Crazy how that works. Despite the torrent of criticism from state officials, parole board members defended their decision to release Mr. Williams, saying they had no reason to keep him longer. Okay. Miss Light said Mr. Williams had positive factors including completion of his high school degree and work towards an associate degree employment in a prison factory for five years and participation in psychological therapy for 14 months wow i'm sorry but getting your high school degree has nothing to do with raping young women no no not even a little bit you can go get seek an education that has nothing to do with sexual deviancy yeah sorry but jeffrey epstein was like an actual monster and we saw how far he got in life so like i really don't want to hear it (laughs) about that i mean you know your smartness or your education has nothing to do with that kind of thing so patrick urban the girl's father said quote the system has failed us by letting this person out early he should be behind bars for the rest of his life quote can you imagine yeah he should have been Oh my God. I, I can't even imagine. No, I was going to say, I literally, I don't even have kids and I can't imagine. No, I have four of them and I, I can imagine hunting this person down. They better hope that they're in jail before I get a hold of them. Yeah, no shit, dude. Yeah. And uh, so I thought it was really interesting because I had found a quote somewhere where basically Leslie had said, well, I wouldn't have killed them if I knew they were sisters because that's cruel. One family can't go through all of that, but it's easier for one death. Like, you're so right. So it just really, like, make, the more that you talk about him, it like, makes me wonder more if he really is stuck yeah. in that six to eight to nine age range mentally. Just because yeah. his body gets older, his brain never did. Like, you know, he probably never got the help he needed way back then. I would love to see his head injury chart. <laughs> like, I want to know if he smacked his head on something. Because he strikes me as someone who would have. Who knows what his dad did? Yeah, let's check out that frontal lobe real quick. Right? God. So the family of Melissa and Michelle Urban blamed the parole board for their daughter's deaths, obviously. And they were very upset that they were initially listed as missing persons. Which, yeah, I forgot to throw in a little earlier. But when the girls went missing, they didn't start looking for them for a minute. Because they were like, oh, they're teenage girls. And they ran away together. That that whole thing needs to go. I, I understand what they're doing because they feel overwhelmed. But 
sometimes they need to reevaluate that whole waiting 48 to 72 hours. Yeah. I think the family also feels overwhelmed. So like maybe get it together. That's your job. (laughs) That's, I I never really understood that, especially the parents that are so adamant. Like, no, my child wouldn't do that. I understand that some people's kids would. Mine wouldn't. So like get out there and search. Especially when it's a one-time thing, you know, it's not like Mm -hmm. these parents are down there all the time saying, right, this happened. Like, because that's, I could see that, but yeah, no. In 1992, Leslie was sentenced to life imprisonment for the four murders and attempted rape. He said, quote, I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want to cause taxpayers any grief. I want to be locked up. Lock me up so I don't do it again. I have no control over my life, unquote. Well, you know. Fuck off. I'm, I'm I'm honestly glad that he said that at that moment. I wish it would have been way before that like yeah solid 30 years ago but all right but i'm glad that you know obviously michigan wasn't going to take care of him at any point in time so who knows if he would have got out after this if he would have kept his mouth shut yeah i guess better late than never yeah what if he didn't admit to any of this and didn't say lock me up then maybe they would have let him out another eight years oh i'm sure they would have they would have been like it's just a simple rape like oh my god just get out there champ In an interview with the Flint Journal, Williams said that he knows right from wrong and that he blamed the killings on, quote, uncontrollable impulses stemming from his childhood of sexual and physical abuse, unquote. Also, I'm so sorry if you guys hear barking. Those are my neighbor's yappy little rats, so sorry. Don't know what to tell you. Huh? Is that through the wall? No, they let them out in the backyard and then they sit there for an hour screaming. So Leslie claimed to be sorry for killing the four girls, but... Obviously, a lot of experts think that he's just sorry he got caught, which is pretty common. And his cousin said that Leslie, quote, has done a heinous thing, but he also had some heinous things done to him, unquote. Yeah, okay. Well, a lot of people have. Two rights don't make a wrong. Yeah. Like, two wrongs don't make a right. I was about to I like, say that backwards? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something, something, don't do that, okay? <laughs> yeah, there's no excuse. There's no. no excuse. In fact, you know, I feel like... We've all experienced horrible things in life. Yep. And doesn't that make us not do them when yeah. we experience them and see the damage it does? It doesn't make us go out and repeat them. Yeah, you would think that you'd have some empathy. Like, you would see that as a growth point, something to really, like, hang your hat on and be like, I surmounted this. But no, he's like, um, so I'm going to go rape these people because I had a sad childhood. A lot of people have sad childhoods. Leslie? You like, know, a chill. lot of people grow up with the stuff done to them in the middle of bombs and third world yeah. countries and they don't make these decisions. Yeah, because it truly is a choice at that point. Williams has been concerned about how he appeared in news accounts and he said that he wanted to explain his case to show families of the victims that he's telling the truth. His truth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. he's a sociopath, so it's his truth. Exactly. Yep, and uh, there's actually a quote. Funny you bring that up. Sociopaths are very needy people. They need attention, and that's why he's doing interviews, unquote, said um, a reporter. As of September 2021, Leslie Allen Williams is still alive, serving his sentence at Carson City Correctional Facility, and is currently 68 years old, and hopefully he's going to free up a bed for someone soon. So how long did they give him for this last thing? Did they give him life? Yeah. And is life now life in Michigan? I don't know. So here's the problem. I don't understand laws very much. (laughs) And so I tried to look it up and I couldn't figure it out. Oh, so look at this. I wonder if he's the one who got this changed. Because it says after 1992, when the parole board's composition changed, so did its policies. 
By the late 90s, the board had adopted the position that life means life. Good. That position was used to justify statutory and policy changes that helped ensure relatively few lifers would be released. The interval between reviews was lengthened to five years on top of that. So, like, you're checking for parole and everything. They lengthened the reviews to five years. Good. Instead of, like, every year, two years. So maybe we all need to kind of pay attention to our state's laws and what our life sentences are because you don't really think about it until it happens to you or someone you know. Yeah, yeah. And then it's too late. That person doesn't get sentenced under a new law that comes out two years later. Mm -hmm. They come under the date that they got sentenced. So just something to be mindful of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, change.org exists for a reason. Let's start petitioning for shit we want to see changed, really. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us, guys, on this monster. Well... I mean, he is a monster, but I meant to say Murder Monday. (laughs) Hey, it's me, Current Shay. I'm back again. I hope you guys liked that episode. Don't forget to follow us on CX3 underscore podcast on Instagram. Slide into the DMs if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just feel like chit-chatting. We have our website at cx3podcast.com and we have our blog up there. We're also adding transcriptions to the episode, so if you prefer to follow along, Uh, with transcriptions those will be in the show notes hopefully from here on out as quickly as we can get to transcribing them otherwise really i do hope you guys enjoyed that little throwback jam and we will see you again next week bye